0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Coach Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, and along with me are Ethan H.D., uh, pro wrestler and wrestling coach. How are you doing today, Ethan? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Awesome, man. And and to his right is uh, Rebel Kel.
1: Co-hosting with you today. Co-hosting <laughs> with me
0: today. How's it going, Kel? Good. Good, good. So we have brought on professional wrestler and coach Ethan HD. At Ethan HD 312 is your Facebook handle.
2: Uh, Instagram and Snapchat. Oh, Instagram
0: handle. and Snapchat, and then at the or at real Ethan HD is your Twitter handle. Indeed, yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, for people who don't know, um, I guess my first question to you, Ethan, is uh, what is independent wrestling, and what it, and how do you represent that?
2: Um, independent wrestling is what is professional wrestling in the sense that it's. Um, like the WWE style wrestling, like it's not like anything different in that sense. But it really is is just kind of this more in your face, intimate kind of style. It's the difference between like going to see Metallica in an arena versus going to like the showbox or the and, crocodile or the crocodile, yeah, right, and right? Seeing right. like not like a lesser known band, but like maybe like a band with a little bit of like a smaller following. Like yeah, you're still getting that performance, you're still getting that intensity. But I think the difference is you get that. That real interaction with the crowd that you kind of miss out on okay. when it's a like a larger scale performance right, uh, I think the other thing too with independent wrestling, like any art form, the larger you get, the more you kind of have to homogenize things for for everyone right, whereas with independent wrestling, it's artists doing exactly what they want to do, portraying their characters the way they want to portray them, having the kind of matches they want to have,
0: not getting told what to do and how to do it
2: <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah you're like you're letting. Artists be artists.
0: Okay. Okay. And um how did you get your start in indie wrestling?
2: Um How old were you? I was how uh, well, I was 17 when I when wow. I first started training. Okay. Um it's something I think I I always knew I wanted to do because I'm very I'm Are very, you
0: 19 now? Or how?
2: I wish. <laughs> I wish. I'm 32 now. Okay. I'm falling okay. apart. Um but initially when I got into it, I think I got into it because I've always been kind of like a theater geek and like big on performing and very athletic for somebody who doesn't like playing sports. Like I've always been able to do backflips and like all these like and handstands and all this stuff. Yeah. And so pro wrestling kind of like merged my my two thing the two things I was good at together into one. Right. And so I started training when I was 17, had my first professional match 5 days after my 18th birthday. Wow, And I've just been wrestling pretty consistently ever since. I've and, never been severely hurt. I've never taken time off.
0: Yeah. And, and you're a Tacoma kid. You grew up in Tacoma.
2: Born and raised in Tacoma. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Tacoma in the house. All right. Um. So that's where you kind of started training or where were you actually, were you actually training in Tacoma or Seattle or?
2: Uh, I was training in Auburn in a warehouse okay. right next to a Russian chop shop. Okay. And so we would basically show up and like while we would wrestle, there'd be these dudes just like ripping apart cars and stuff like that right across from us yeah um one time we were training with this luke Shador astro imperial who's ridiculously talented and it was like three of us we were training and for whatever reasons the dudes at the chop shop decided to like blow something up and it set off astro's car alarm and he just stops immediately stops what he's doing drops the f word rolls out of the ring Grabs the broom off the wall, yeah, and goes out and starts yelling at these Russian dudes in like half English, half Spanish, right? <laughs> and they don't speak much English or Spanish, yeah. So they're just double confused and frightened. But he was down to like fight them all with just like a broom in his hand, right? um And so that's where we trained. That's okay. where we we first learned how to wrestle. Okay, was, was there?
0: So it was kind of a hardcore setting, huh? A little bit, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did that shape you? as a coach yourself, um, like what what is your coaching style? And um, to give you guys a little bit of a background, uh, Ethan is Rebel Kel's coach. So kind of how I got my start into looking at indie wrestling was watching Kel Me. wrestle. And then I obviously was seeing you because you were on these same promotions that she was. So you were coaching her, even, but then running,
1: one yeah. true, even yeah. running one of the promotions. That's true. Even running one of
0: the promotions, but then you were also um, competing yourself as a wrestler. So kind of doing a dual, uh, triple, and role, teaching right? as a coach. So, yeah, so 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 promoting wrestling and coaching. And what 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 is your is your true love? Being a wrestler, or do you really like coaching? And then give me a little bit of background uh, on your coaching and what you've done and kind of what you've done in the past. I know you've done some international stuff um, and now you're a local coach. So expand on that a little bit um, as far as the coaching is concerned and, and then also your wrestling.
2: Um, I don't think I ever thought that I would enjoy teaching. It was nothing that I ever thought about when I was actively wrestling all the time. Yeah. And it wasn't until I had a friend reach out to me who had been coaching in India for uh, the great colleague, who's a former WWE champion and dude, Great Kali in India is a a rock star, like right. a a megastar over there. Yeah. And so he'd been over there and I was just messaging him back and forth because I was more curious about India really than like the actual coaching gig. Yeah. And so when his time was coming up, he was like, hey, would you want to just come out here and, and do it? It's six months. Like, he'll take care of everything, he'll pay for it. Like the sweet gig. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me think about it. And he's like, well, I already told Kali about you. So if you want to just email me some stuff to send to him. So I sent it off and I was like, I'll I'll let Jesus take the wheel on this one. I'm gonna email yeah. <laughs> him, I'll send him my stuff. If he wants to go for it, I'll take it, but yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna pursue it. And I went over there and I don't know if I'd say immediately found a knack for it, but I definitely immediately found a passion for it. Yeah. Because there is something kind of cool about seeing people like using the techniques that you taught them and yep. seeing people like progress and helping them on the way and like sure. I think a lot of wrestling is like feeding that ego and getting that that gratification through like your your own personal like achievements, right And I think coaching is kind of it gives you that same kind of buzz, uh but you're you're helping somebody else along, right? you know like you still you still feel proud in those moments of yeah. seeing like people persevere and succeed. and so I think that's what got me really interested in coaching, and then really sitting down and coming up with like a format that I think worked for me. And a lot of it was just taking things that I didn't like that other other trainers or other coaches did. Yeah. And put those put those kind of to the wayside and said, well, here are the things that I feel like actually helped me progress and using those things.
3: Right.
1: So, so let me, I, I want to know what day to day training was like in India. Like, how often did they train? How long? What did they do during training? Like, I want to know what training was like, because you said they were kind of hardcore or something right regarding
2: their everybody in in india in in my class humble brag were the hardest working people i've i've ever met um just as far as being like diligently dedicated to training um so we would start off with anywhere between like 20 to 40 minutes of conditioning work and it could be anything from we're going to do a thousand squats today Um, it could be a mix of like burpees and push-ups it could just be doing endless rolls. We went on a, a 3K run at one point. Wow. Um, I remember when we were getting a handful ready for uh, their WWE tryout, and we, we knew conditioning was paramount. We went on a 12K run in the rain because we had we had planned it uh, previously, but it had been way too hot to go running because yeah. it's goddamn India. And so like it was like, okay, the temperature is gonna dip, but with it dipping also brought all this rain. So we just ran 12K in the rain wow. just like, up and down this like little like kind of rural highway right um and everybody was down for it there was nobody was dragging their feet nobody was trying to get out of it um and that was the big thing is nobody ever tried to get get out of training or get out of putting in work right there maybe was like one or two guys who did who like but right out the gate there were people who like got into wrestling because they were like oh i'm gonna be a superstar and as soon as they immediately realized it's a ton of work just to be able to get to the point of like Having doing a match or even just being allowed to do moves. Right. Like, you know, you have to roll, bump, run yeah. the ropes, all these little, these little micro things that like, you have to like, you know, learn to crawl before you can walk. And they just wanted to run. right? And you could tell, cause they would be the guys who like at like midnight or like 11 o'clock at night, you could hear them in the ring and they're just doing like all of Roman Reigns moves. Right. Like that's like their thing. And also Roman Reigns is the man in India. Oh, All really? right. Like, hands
0: down. <laughs> he's the number one guy they follow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't, I, I mean, like, he's obviously very <clears throat> popular, but like, in India, a lot of them look at wrestling as real. And so Roman Reigns was like the top guy. So, like, well, he's like the best. Right. And if he thinks wrestling, they think wrestling's real. Like, this dude could beat up anybody. Yeah. So they loved him over there. It was great.
0: So, in a practice, you guys would start with 20 to 40 minutes of conditioning and kind of fundamental technique or would you go into the technique in the actual moves after the conditioning or would they be worked into the conditioning or how does that work
2: um typically after the conditioning okay i've and especially being in india like i kind of picked up on i like the idea of doing conditioning and then kind of like giving like a half breather like everybody get water catch your breath right and then getting into like the the wrestling stuff and for me a lot of that is the fact that I never want to do wrestling stuff where people are just gassed right out the gate. Right. Because you're picking people up and like there's a a lot of safety issues. Sure. But the idea of kind of like blowing somebody up, letting them catch their breath, kind of recoup, do a few rolls to kind of get warmed back up again. And then we'll get into the wrestling. Yeah. Because a lot of what I do, like as far as the actual wrestling stuff goes, it's not very like conditioning intensive. Right. You know, especially when there's like 20 (laughs) people in class, everybody, you know, like you do, you practice a move once or twice and then the next people go and the next people go. So you stand around for like four or five minutes right. sometimes. So,
0: but I got to say, I was impressed when I watched a couple of these practices because I was seeing like a lot of flips, a lot of handstands into flips and, you know, rolling on your back and coming down on your shoulders. So some things that, and, and then jumping off ropes. So I saw a lot of things that like, a normal person who might think they could come in and do this kind of stuff would have a rude awakening into what they can actually do.
1: Which I think is an interesting topic. What do you think are prerequisites? If someone wanted to be a pro wrestler, what do you think it would take? What kind of person do you think it would take? How much does it take? Like, does it take
0: an athletic background, you feel? Or some kind of, you know, being able to... Pull a lot of that athletic stuff up because it's to me, it was very athletic. I saw I see lots of tumbling, lots of flipping, lots of handstand holds and things like that that take a certain amount of strength. Is that what you look for in people coming in to train? I mean, do they have to meet a certain amount of requirements to be able to train with you or
2: um, kind of? Yeah. So it definitely helps if you if you played sports. Right. I think the the biggest thing that will help you become a professional wrestler is being coachable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who succeed in wrestling who come from like an athletic background don't necessarily succeed because they're athletic, but because they've grown accustomed to being coachable. Yeah. But I found that anybody who's who's coachable and willing to put in the work, usually you can make it happen. I mean, yeah. obviously people have pre existing injuries, things like that. Right. Um, but because wrestling, it's so different than like, um, like a normal sport because there's also the entertainment aspect. Right. And with wrestling, you know, like, Wrestling's not wrestling, wrestling's entertainment. So as long as it's entertaining, it's it's technically wrestling. Right. Like there are some guys who only do comedy wrestling and I mean they're still athletes in a sense. Like they yeah. still work out and train and all that, but they're not doing all like the flips and the dives and all these these crazy moves. You know, and obviously there's kind of a ceiling to like how far that act will, will take you. Right. Um but even that being said, like you, you definitely need some semblance of an athletic background. But the biggest thing is just being coachable. Because I've had guys who come in from like um, like a soccer background or a football background, right? And they they don't want to listen or they don't want to pay attention. They don't want to focus on things. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do with them. Right. You know, like there's, they might be able to bang out a thousand squats, but if they're not willing to like pay attention to the techniques and all those other things and not be be coachable, right? I mean. You can't you can't really do anything. That. I'd rather take somebody who's willing to listen and learn, sure. and maybe not the best athlete, over somebody who's like a division one athlete, but doesn't want to pay attention, or, right, or focus right. on things.
0: How long would it take a person <clears throat> to train, you know, kind of like in it as an amateur, incoming, beginning classes, and then get to advanced classes, and then being mature enough as a wrestler? to start taking and doing shows, like what does what that timeline look for you as a coach and for people out there that may be interested in starting and doing wrestling, What what is, for you, what what do you like to see?
2: Um, I feel like three months is, to me, the bare minimum that you need to be training before you're remotely competent to have a match. Yeah. But a lot of that too depends on like what, I guess, how frequently you're training, how yeah. long the training sessions are. But I would say if you're training at least two or three times a week and getting in a good two or three hours of, of training, right, in three months you could on, on a very low level be ready for a match as far as being able to do the very Some basics, basics. Right, go right. maybe like five minutes with somebody who's experienced, yeah, um, who can kind of walk you through it. I think you could be ready in three months. But I mean, there are people who just, who pick it up immediately and they're they're ready. You know they're ready to go in like a month or a month and a half. Yeah. Um there's people who train for like 2 years and it just never clicks for them. Right. You know, I, I feel like especially with wrestling like kind of after that 90s boom died, indie indie wrestling kind of became the wild west for, for a bit where anybody who just wanted to be a wrestler could. You could find somebody who was willing to to put you on a show. Right. And so you got a lot of guys who just sucked and sucked for years and but because they'd been around so long, they'd built up this ego. Right. And then like they start training people because like, oh, I've been wrestling for 10 years. I'm like, Well, you're wrestling 10 years, but you've never been more than 40 miles outside of your hometown. Right. right? And you wrestled the same 10 guys once a month for 10 years. Right. Like, just Sit down. Yeah. Um, but I definitely feel like wrestling's at a better spot now where like that stuff kind of gets gets weeded out a little bit. Yep. Um,
0: but- so and where else have you have you trained any other place other than India internationally?
2: Uh, yeah, I did New Zealand for three months at Bad Luck Follies dojo, which okay. uh, just became officially uh, the New Japan New Zealand oh, uh, nice. dojo wow. over there. Um, and that was a really cool experience as well. I absolutely, New Japan
1: it. is is taken over.
2: It's dude. They it's, just
1: got Stardom.
2: Oh, did they really? Yeah, oh, they just mean.
1: bought Stardom. Good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because that's like I think one of the big things they're missing is like there's there's zero women's division, mm-hmm. which, and this is probably I mean I don't mean wrestling fans are gonna jump on this but I always found it funny how you would get these fans who were like you know these girls aren't getting a fair shake in B and like these girls aren't getting a fair shake but like New Japan never books girls and everybody's like they're the wrestling mecca <laughs> yeah like, right. well it's, it's one or the other right yeah. like you can't say like oh you know everybody needs to book girls but New Japan's the best right and they never book girls yeah right it's so like pick one or the other but yeah they're taking off and New Zealand was amazing and like especially the way Folly wanted training it was three hours a day yeah. the first hour was a straight conditioning. Yeah, and I remember the first day I got there, they like, they have a dry race board. That would be like the workout of the day would be would be on there. And I walked in and they had just had written up one thousand squats, and this was like day one of like their first intake, and it was like right out the gate, do a thousand squats. Yeah, and there's no break in between. Like you just plant your feet and do and, a thousand squats and knock them out. And then do two hours of wrestling training. So you're starting on, on out, of
0: starting off with rubber legs, yeah. and then get <laughs> right. into the training,
2: right? Yeah. Well, and their style over there is they don't they don't want to make wrestlers into athletes. They would rather just make athletes into wrestlers. Right. And so doing the thousand squats, one it no matter how good of an athlete you are, you're not ready to do a thousand squats. Right. If you haven't been building up to a thousand yeah, squats, absolutely. So a lot of those workouts are just meant to humble, like. Even the most elite athletes yeah. so that they don't feel like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. Right. But it also weeds up people who just don't want to be there. Sure. You know, like if you're not willing to do like a thousand squats or at least make the attempt, like you're definitely not going to love what comes next. Right. You know, with all the endless bumping and running the right. ropes and just getting beat up. Yeah. You know, because they want that that very like snug, hard hitting style. Sure. And so you're just going to get pummeled like a lot. Yeah. Yeah you know, like early on. So I think those things are just kind of meant to weed out them. Because if you watch like New Japan, anytime they have like a Young Lions class, it'll always be like two to five guys Right. out of this one year class. Yeah. And it's because it's it's incredibly tough and they just want to weed out everyone they can and only leave the best of the best.
0: Yeah. So then after the stints internationally, you started uh, coaching locally. Where do you do that? How often do you do that? And, um, how does that play a role? And then you actually getting ready for your matches and, and how do you do that? Because you wrestle as well as coach. So what, what's your, what's your coaching look like? And then what does your wrestling look like as far as getting ready for, for shows on an ongoing basis?
2: Uh, so I train people at the three to one battle Academy in Seattle. I run the advanced class. Okay. So I get the people who are already having matches or who've graduated beyond the beginners class and are ready to learn the more the more advanced techniques. Right. Um, so what I do now is I kind of pick apart either maybe an aspect of a wrestling match or it might be like a certain style or it might be certain moves um, and just kind of harp it on that for the class. Yeah. Um, a lot of it honestly just depends on like what I've been doing like the weeks prior because a lot of times what I like doing is just like when I wrestle somebody new. And somebody who's got some experience, like when I wrestled like Lucha Bros and like Flamita and Bandito, like months, month after month, was taking like these like Lucha spots that I learned and going like, yo, we're going to do Lucha today. And just kind of sharing like these new things that I'm learning right. with other people.
0: And, and explain that to the listeners. What's the difference between the Lucha and like regular training or what what's... Uh, Lucha how Libre. does that differentiate?
2: Lucha Libre is, is uh, Mexican wrestling. Okay. And it's... It's definitely like the Cirque du Soleil of wrestling. Okay. Like, it is all about the the athletic performance and the showmanship. Yeah. And you see guys doing these crazy dives and everybody's got masks on. Almost everybody has masks on. Yeah. And it really is just like this wild performance rather than trying to like simulate an actual like competitive fight. Right. And so it's just a different style. A lot of times you're on, in wrestling, You'll traditionally you'll usually wrestle on the left side of the body. Like if I'm going to reach for an arm, I'll, I'll just shoot for a left arm or a left leg. Over in Mexico, it's a lot more grabbing the right side. Um, Some of the things are just done like a little differently. You roll through a lot more things rather than just taking like a flat fall. Yeah. Um, So there's like different little techniques and the pacing is a lot quicker. Right. You know, like with wrestling, there's like slam pose or, you know, you'll run a quick sequence and pose in Lucha. It's just kind of go, 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 go.
0: So this would for people that follow kind of mainstream wrestling, would this be like Rey Mysterio Jr. style?
2: Yeah, Rey Mysterio wrestles like a very, a very Americanized style Lucia Libre. Okay. But yeah, I would say he, he's pretty close to that style. Even on Andrade Almas is very close to that style as okay. well. Um, okay. And like Umberto uh, Carrillo, yeah. um, Angel Garza, a lot of those guys kind of have like a little bit of that lucha flavor to them. Okay.
0: Now, what about your training? What about your wrestling? Like, what are you doing? How many shows do you have coming up? How many times are you going to wrestle? In matches in 2020, what does that look like for you?
2: Um, I'm ideally looking for this to be my lightest schedule, um, mostly because I just opened up a comic book store back in December, and so my actually my I guess my main focus right now is on that.
0: Right, and where is that at?
2: Uh, it's in Tacoma. We're diagonal from the Temple Theater in the Stadium District, uh, okay. Destiny City Comics. I'm there pretty much six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday. Yeah, um, but yeah, so. Right now my focus is kind of getting that up and going. So I'm really only trying to take like two shows a month right now. Okay. Just enough to kind of like keep my name out there, stay relevant. Um, And then ideally like once I get things going with the shop and I get more people in like, and I get to a point where I can have a couple people on payroll to watch the shop. I think then I'll probably start taking more bookings again. But before that I was wrestling probably two, two or three times a weekend. Wow. Just kind of getting where I fit in. Yeah.
1: I got, I got a question. What do you think is your biggest accomplishment or what moment are you most proud of so far? And uh, also what are your goals going forward? My biggest
2: accomplishment, I think is training Rebel Kel. I think that's (laughs) that's the right answer for that. That is the right answer. (laughs) But what's
1: your second favorite thing?
3: (laughs) Um,
2: I think my, my crowning achievement in, in wrestling so far, hopefully I'll, I'll continue to do more cool things. I think if I had to pick one would probably be going over to India only because had you asked me even like a year prior to like, to the doing that, like, would you ever, would somebody just be paying you a ton of money to go to India <laughs> yeah. and and just run a wrestling school
1: <laughs> for six months? Yeah. Yeah. I would be like,
2: <laughs> no, there's no, I don't even know if there's wrestling in India.
3: Right. So I
2: think for something like that to happen, I think one was just cool because I never thought I would be at a, at a point in my career where that would, that would be something people would want for me is to to teach. And the fact that they wanted me to kind of help break in this brand new like territory in wrestling that, you know, before me, there had been four other coaches in, in India and that was it. So to be like one of like kind of like the founding fathers of like professional wrestling yeah. in India and, you know, exposing these guys to different techniques, different styles, um, helping them just kind of break ground
1: wow yeah
2: um, a lot because there was no really no wrestling before Kali opened up that school and i now, didn't even
1: realize that
2: yeah and now some of my students like have their own independent promotions and like
1: two just Kali's. got signed to wwe didn't they two
2: and and two more coming guys, right more more coming and or more th- coming three sorry three um lakshmi um suki and shanky are all are all signed and suki and shanky are both seven foot tall right i saw that yeah we recently. saw that those are two of the guys that did the 12k run Wow. When, nice. they, when they had their first tryout, all three of them did the run. But when you're seven foot tall. Oh, that's got to be tough. Yeah. And Shanky, who's the one with like a little bit longer hair, like I remember him just dragging through it, but he never stopped. Like yeah. he, like he, he takes
1: the heart. Yeah. yeah.
2: Which God bless him because then, like, because I hate running. Yeah. So like I got about like halfway there, and I was like, I'm gonna hang back and just run with Shanky and like, <laughs> yeah. kind of motivate him. Make sure no one
1: falls behind. Right. <laughs> yeah, when i I'll, I'll,
2: you know you put the strongest lion at the rear of the pack. Yeah, yeah. and they guard everybody else. <laughs>
1: yeah, you
2: guys, you guys go on ahead on me. I'll make sure Shanky doesn't pass out. <laughs> yeah.
3: right, right.
0: So where, where do you want to coach more in your future when you get done wrestling? When it, when do you? How long will you wrestle for?
2: I feel like I'm gonna wrestle until. I don't like my performances anymore. Yeah. I think like any entertainer, there's kind of that point where you're you're not putting out your best work. Yep. And I feel like with wrestling, it's very hard to to dial back. You know, like Jerry Seinfeld obviously can take years off and then craft a new special. He can take three years off and that's fine, but wrestling, you don't have that that luxury. Right. I mean, unless you know you're like the undertaker, like something on a on a huge scale. Right. So I think for me as soon as I see like my performance is dropping or I'm not able to keep up with people anymore, yeah, I'll probably just walk away and then focus more on training. I definitely want to do a lot more training, a lot more coaching. Yeah. Um I would love to do more international work. Right. I'm I feel like I'm one of the few people in wrestling who loves travel. Yeah. So I think if nothing else, I think a big selling point is the fact that I won't complain about being on an airplane for 17 <laughs> yeah. hours. And, yeah. You know, I can sleep in any airport in the world.
0: Right. Um, what are your current knocks on wrestling what are what are what are the good things you see in wrestling and the bad things of what would you change in you know the the bigger companies or the indies like what what Where do you see the sport going?
2: I think as a sport, I think professional wrestling has reached a sweet spot where people understand that like it's it's more than just an athletic performance and yeah. it's wrestling's not a sport wrestling is a show. About a sport, right? And I think now that like the general population has kind of understood that, and you have a lot more freedom to be entertaining in different ways. Like you have guys like Orange Cassidy, yeah, who like don't do the traditional wrestling; they do more of like the comedy style. Right. Um, you have guys like the Young Bucks out there who don't wrestle in say a traditional wrestling style. Um so that's one of the things I love about wrestling is it's more of an open entertainment format than it's ever been before. Right. Which is what it needs to be to sure. stay relevant evolvos. So you end up like Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Right. And everybody's like, oh, we're tired of seeing these like dying elephants and yeah. you're out of business. <laughs> well,
0: that was one of the things I noticed when I went and watched as a fan. And I've only done team sports and some individual sports, but never anything like wrestling. As, as people really watching it live, you get appreciation for the characters that people represent and develop for themselves and um, how how theatrical it really is. I, a lot of that doesn't translate over in TV. I feel when when you're live watching it with a crowd going nuts, it it kind of has a different feel to it. And it was kind of a really cool experience. And I actually took some of my gym members I've taken to some matches to watch uh, uh, Kel and they they were just astounded. And they said, you know what? I would come to this with all my friends to watch this. But we didn't know about it. And nobody, know. you know, not a lot of people in mainstream know about it. But once they had a friend who knew somebody and they watched it, they're like, wow, this is really cool. This is I really like the energy of it. And there is a definite palpable energy to these shows when watching it as a fan. Um and and watching all these characters and watching the athletic uh just athleticness of everybody, you know, competing in it. And even some some big guys and big girls are are moving around pretty well.
2: Yeah, I love it. And there's nothing like seeing professional wrestling live. Yeah. it's the difference between like listening to a CD and going to a concert. Right. Like you cannot You cannot compare the two. Yeah. And especially like when you can get, like, I always call it like the buzz when like everything is just rolling perfect. Like the crowd's reacting to everything and there's never like a silent lull. There's always just this kind of hum. And it's this weird kind of like energy throughout the entire building where like the fans and the performers are all kind of merging into one. Yeah. And I think, like, that's, like, the sweet spot in wrestling. And you can only feel that if you're there. Right. You know, like, no matter how engrossing a match is on TV.
0: You can't get that energy. From yeah, that...
2: You're, you're always on your couch, you yeah. know, and your dog's barking or your phone's ringing. But when you're, like, in that moment and everyone around you is, like, in that moment. Right. Like, that's the sweet spot in wrestling. And nothing, nothing will ever touch that because no, even though their live sport has that vibe. Right. There's always, you know, downtime in the middle of plays, like. There's always stoppage, things like that. But when there's just that, that buzz yeah. and everything just kind of becomes like one energy. Right. Like that's, that's what sets wrestling apart from literally every sport and form of entertainment.
0: Right. Who are your favorite, favorite wrestlers? Who, who is your favorite organizations and why?
2: Ooh, I think my my favorite one that I wrestle for is probably Defy. Okay. Um, they were the ones who kind of broke ground in Washington as far as bringing like what you would look at as like modern independent wrestling. Yeah. Which,
1: by the way, we will both be at Defy on Friday, this the is 21st. Yeah.
2: This Friday, yeah. What's the name of the show? Defy uh, Kings of Crash
0: Kings of Crash awesome uh, it's the okay. return
2: of Jeff Cobb okay who hadn't been in De- hasn't been at defy in about a year um, due to being part of Ring of Honor and, and contractual obligations okay uh, he'll be there a lot of the wrestlers from the crash lucha libre in Mexico will be there as well Wow um, so my tag team partner, Mike Santiago and I the American guns are wrestling the crash tag team champions oh okay um, and then Kelly wrestling
1: um, a local wrestler from around the area that I used to train with,
2: still cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. I
1: plan to. I plan to win. Nice.
2: <laughs>
1: so,
0: who who are your uh, favorite wrestlers? If you have any, oh, I
2: have several. Are you talking like active like wrestlers or just? Oh, you
0: know, active and retired. You know, uh, you know, wrestlers that have influenced you. <laughs> it, it, it can be active or retired.
2: Um, as far as wrestlers that I I grew up watching, that I'm a big fan of, Chris Jericho's one, okay. Eddie Guerrero's one. Uh, Milano Collection At is a wrestler in Japan who kind of blended like to meet every style really well together. Like kind of like the British matwork style, the Japanese strong style, a little bit of lucha libre, kind of the traditional style of wrestling as well. Yeah, um, I was a big fan of him. I'm trying. Mysterio, I obviously was a big fan of. Yeah. Um, I think that was probably it as far as like guys I was really all about. Oh, and the Road Dog. Okay. randomly. Right. Cuz he like had this cool opening spiel like when he would come out to the ring and I yeah. thought that was the coolest thing. Right. You
1: said you own a comic book shop. Does that inspire your wrestling at all? The superhero?
2: A little bit. I think being a pro wrestler is like being a real life superhero. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you have these people surviving these like I'm kind of, I should say, like, unrealistic falls. Apocalypses. But, but, yeah, you'll have, like, you know, a guy get, like, thrown through, like, a table or something like that or, like, shucked off a ladder, which, like, should have kill a normal person. But we've, like, conditioned our bodies to, like, not die. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, these like kind of, like, superhuman feats. Like, you'll see guys picking people up over their heads. You see guys diving, like, 10 feet over the top rope into the crowd and, like.
1: Tombstones, pile drivers.
2: Yeah, like. just these really like kind of superhuman like feats of athleticism and everybody's in tights. So it's also like like a comic book in that sense. Everybody's got like kind of cool names and like alter egos they don't want the world finding out about. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, a little in a way it influences me. Yeah.
0: Other than Defy locally, do you like any international or national like WWE, AEW? Do you have any organizations you like or dislike and, and why?
2: Um, I try to watch a little bit of everything. yeah, I I keep up on a lot of new Japan stuff, okay. I feel like their stuff's very accessible. It's easy to digest. Um MLW's been another one that I've been watching a lot of, okay, just because they have a really good pulse, I think, on who and what on the Indies is is somebody to keep an eye on. Like they just signed uh, Zachary Cooper, who I've been like following on on Twitter and online for about a year now. And just going, yo, this dude's really good. He's been to the UK a few times. Right. And then I just hear like MLW signed him. And it's like, well, they should.
0: Who is NLW? Where where are they?
2: MLW's major league wrestling? They run okay. um, between like Tampa, Florida, they do Pennsylvania, kind of up and down the East Coast. The East Coast. Yeah. But yeah, they have like a weekly TV show on YouTube and on I think B in Sports, I think okay. the other one's called. Um, but yeah, I think they just do a really good job of kind of harping in on like the who's who of guys that should be on TV that maybe aren't quite on TV or
0: right. And that seems to be the to me in watching wrestling, like the Holy Grail of what organizations and promotions want to get to is getting TV contracts because when you get the TV contracts, you get money and more money to pay the wrestlers, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, the the only downside I feel like to TV wrestling is you're sometimes kind of handcuffed as far as like how long you have to wrestle. Um, Versus being on the independence where you maybe have a little more time, a little more freedom to to do your thing. Right. The downside, I mean, the flip side, though, with TV is you get more time to talk and cut promos. Right. You can get across aspects of your character that you maybe can't get across in that, that bell-to-bell moment. Right. Now they can do vignettes and other things to show off different parts of your character. You can be more nuanced on TV. Right. Where I feel like with wrestling in a live crowd, you kind of have to... Paint with broad strokes and like, oh, I hope they get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I feel like exposure to that major TV brings a lot of exposure to the wrestlers. So even though there's probably a lot of wrestlers on the independent scene, they're just as good or better than some of the people on TV. They don't get that exposure that, that the people with the bigger contracts do, right?
2: In some cases, yeah. I feel like there's kind of like a weird curve to it where if you're on the Indies and you've never been on TV, going, getting on TV usually is more, uh, I guess, more eyes on you. right? But then there's a point where like, you get guys like Cedric Alexander who were killing it on the Indies and now they're in WWE and like you maybe see them on TV every other week for seven right. minutes yeah. versus when he was on the Indies, maybe he wasn't on like national network TV every week but you would have like a 20-minute Cedric Alexander match get thrown up on YouTube and get yeah. like 30,000 views or he'd be on this iPay-per-view doing thousands of views. Right. So he's maybe getting more eyes on him now, but not in the way that he was before. Right. So there's kind of like a weird balance. Like if you're on TV and being used, you're definitely getting way more exposure versus maybe being on the indies and being like on streaming sites and iPay-per-views and getting more eyes on you that way because you'll get 20 minutes on an iPay per view versus, you know, five minutes on a three hour broadcast on a network TV. Right. Right.
0: So the future for you next five years, where, where would you want to be? Where, where, what's the ideal situation in wrestling for Ethan HD five years from
2: now? I think looking down from the heavens on my Memorial tournament, I think that's (laughs) ideally the goal. No. Um, Ideally, I would like to be wrestling in five years. Yeah, um, I, healthy, obviously. I, <laughs> in, in a dream world, <laughs> in healthy. In a dream world, right? I, I live my life at sixty percent battery. Yeah, like it's it's not enough that you need to like stop and charge your phone at sixty percent, but you're definitely cognizant that like
1: it's running out.
2: It's yeah, it's getting low. Right. <laughs>
1: what country? What country would you want to go to?
2: Ooh, I really want to go to the UK.
1: Yeah, I, I did
2: too. I think UK would be fun. I also kind of want to go to Italy. To I, wrestle? To wrestle, yeah. I mean, just to hang out, but yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm oddly fascinated about Italy. I feel like Italy and France are two countries that, as an American, you only know through stereotypes. Yeah. And I, I would just love to like go there and and see it in person. Right. <laughs> yeah. And see like, oh, this is what it's really like. Okay. Yeah. Like. Right. That's
0: cool. Any closing thoughts? uh
1: Anything coming up?
2: Uh, yeah.
0: What's coming up for Ethan?
2: I uh, was coming back, so I obviously, like we said, I've Defy this Friday, okay. uh, King of Crash, and then I will be in Everett on Sunday for Without a Cause Wrestling, wrestling Chris Bay and Jet Knight for the WAC Heavyweight Championship. I saw that,
0: I saw that, much. so
2: which I was pretty stoked about. And when they told us about it, so if you don't know who Chris Bay is, he's 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 black. He's a great wrestler, but he's black, and Jet Knight is black, and I am half black. And so when they said, "Hey, so you know the next show, the main event's going to be you, Bay, and, and Jet," and I was like, well, "Do you have a name for the show picked out?" And they were like, oh, yeah, we have everyone picked out. And I was like, well, throw it away. Save it for another day. Two and a half black men. Yeah. <laughs> and, I
1: knew you were going to say that before you even said it. I swear I knew
2: you were going to say that. So I was really stoked about that. So uh, that's what they called it? No, no. Oh, oh God, no. They're like, <laughs> they immediately shot it down. He's yeah. like, well, we're calling it I Love Whack. And we're doing like the I Love Lucy. And I was like, you can do that all the time. Yeah. I was like, this is... What chance are you going to have to get away with this? Right. Like, come on. Right, right, right.
0: (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks a lot for coming on the show. We appreciate you coming on and talking about wrestling, promoting your sport and you as a coach as a a wrestler uh, as well. He's a great coach, by the way. Yeah, the best. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I will definitely be watching you soon. And Thanks again for coming on, and thanks, Cal, for. Uh, yeah, if you want to
1: find me on Instagram, it's Rebel Cal Russells.
0: Yeah, and Ethan, you're uh,
2: you can find me on Instagram at ethanhd three one two. It's okay. Instagram and Snapchat, and then I'm on Twitter at Real EthanHD. and then you can add me on Facebook. But I'm almost never on Facebook. <laughs>
0: okay, guys, <laughs> for Ethan HD and Rebel Cal, I'm Coach Greg. Thanks a lot for tuning into another episode of Physical Culture Radio. Bye.